Welcome one, welcome all to the Mildly Defensive Fantasy Football Podcast. This is your host, Matt Jordan, here as always with my buddy Brandon Kroos. Brandon, how are you doing this week? I am good. Training camp is around the corner. Next week, we are, th- we are there. That, that we are. Yeah, um, America's team is on the field. Uh, all, all kinds of fun things going on, right? Yep. Ben Roethlisberger showed up looking in shape. So someone's going to draft him way too high. I believe there's getting, still one good year left in him. I know. I'm getting like Phil Mickelson vibes from him. Remember when Phil Mickelson all of a sudden was like, I'm really bad at golf now, so maybe I should lose a bunch of weight and see if that changes anything? Like, I feel like that's where Ben Roethlisberger is. I mean, um, I mean it did work for Phil. This is that, Well, that's true. Yeah, years, years later, he, he's years there. Years later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, so who knows? Maybe Ben will still be playing into his 50s. Um, but we uh, we also were talking AFC East this week, which I know Brandon's excited about. And I thought, you know what? These Bills fans, they're, they're so excited. They're so high and mighty now that they get their first division title in about five decades. And I thought, you know what? Let's let's knock Brandon down a peg. Let's get a Patriots fan on here. Um, so so I, I got one of the foremost experts in my life about the New England Patriots, my buddy Isaiah Tolbert. Zay, how are you doing, man? It's going all right, guys. How are you today? We, we are good. We're very excited to have you on here. To, to give you a little bit of uh, background, so Isaiah um, has also been playing fantasy football for decades. Uh, I know in his home league, he is a uh, multi-multi-champion in that league. Um, he also actually was one of the people that introduced me to Dynasty. Uh, Zay was playing Dynasty before we were. Um, spoke very highly of it. Uh, that was one of the reasons that um, I decided to get into Dynasty was, you know, kind of hearing some of Zay's stories with that, um, which was a lot of fun. And actually now the three of us, uh, Brandon, Zay, and I are all in a Dynasty League uh, startup that, uh, that we just started this past year, which is a lot of fun. So we're all, we're all looking forward to that. Um, so, uh, Brandon, can you kick us off with the news? Uh, there's a, a good piece of news, uh, this week that I think we want to talk about. And then there's a, a bad piece of news, um, that I think you are all aware of at this point. Yeah, we'll, we'll start with the good news, which is Fred Warner is going to be staying in San Francisco now for at least the next five years, uh, signed a massive contract. I think he's now the highest paid inside linebacker in the NFL. Incredible. Um, I mean, rightfully so. I mean, he's... It, it became very good very quick um, playing in that defense. Um, there is a long line of good 49ers linebackers. Then now oh. Fred Warner adds his name to that list. I know. The the heir to the ultimate throne. Um, anytime I think of Niners linebackers, I feel like my mind always goes to Navarro Bowman first. I loved, loved me some Navarro Bowman. It's um, funny because I go to Patrick Willis. Like it, it's like it's yep. just the long mm-hmm. list of those yeah. linebackers. Yeah, so. that's a that is an absolute wonderful throne to be the heir to. Um, I mean, with 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 that in mind, I'm interested in you guys' take on this. But you know, security I feel like is a rare thing in defense. I mean, we we see that security is rare in offense as well, and and we're definitely going to talk about that. But on defense with injuries and just like the turnover in general at the position, it's really hard to have someone that stays in a specific uh, fruitful role, we'll say for a number of years consecutively. I mean, with, with Fred Warner, and this has been a consistent LB one LB two performer since he's been in the league now locked up five years in this particular system. 
I mean, where where is he in your dynasty rankings? For me, I feel like he's like top six. I mean, that's a pretty incredible stability to have a three down linebacker um, yeah. locked up for that long in that kind of a system, right? In terms of dynasty, I mean, who are you putting him over? Who's who are you putting him over? Like, I mean, Darius Leonard's probably up there, obviously. Like, yeah, you you gotta love D Leonard. I mean, especially this past year, you know it. It's it's hard for me uh, to not look at that situation with the Bucks and not feel really good yeah. about what that looks like. Um, I'm sure that there's some folks out there that would look at uh, some of the the studs that we've gotten into the league recently. Whether you're thinking about Baltimore, the Chargers, um, but I mean, I feel like Fred Warner, like you, that's got to be one of the first names that you come to, right? And and he's proven it now. I mean, he's already proven he can be a top five linebacker. He's fairly young still. So for me, like, he's top three. I mean, I'd probably go even higher than you. Like, I think he's top three. I mean, Darius Leonard is probably the only one I'm taking over him. In Dynasty, yeah. No, least, yeah. In Dynasty, right. No, I, I like it, and I can't argue with you. You know, I mean, I think if we – if we were in a startup this year, I think that's where it would really kind of test it out, you know, to see, like, how quickly would I all of a sudden feel the need to pull the trigger on Fred Warner. It could be that high, for all I know. Um, like I said, I mean, I think I'd probably be pretty tempted by Devin White, of, of course, um, mm. Darius Leonard. Um, but I don't know, man. It's uh, That's a sweet situation with Fred Warner. There, there's no two ways around that. The one um, thing that I did find interesting, though, and I don't know if you knew this, I didn't know this. Do you know who their defensive coordinator is? D'Amico Ryan's. That's awesome. Wow, no, so that's a blast it, from the past. If wow. there is a linebacker for Fred Warner to learn from and to be put yeah. him in a good position, I mean, that's D'Amico Ryan's. That so. always takes me back. So uh, yeah. way back in the day when we first started playing our league, um, I took D'Amico Ryans in the last round of one of our drafts. Um, and I wish I could tell you that I saw it come in, you know, like <laughs> this was my sleeper. Like I just knew that this dude was starting and I felt pretty confident that like he was going to have an opportunity to rack up tackles. And oh my God, he was like a top five linebacker that year's rookie year. And it was like, you know, when you stumble on gold like that, it's just ridiculous. I'll never forget that D'Amico Ryans. And he was a stud for the Texans. Well, the, uh, the, the not-so-fun news is on the other side of the ball, um, and that, of course, has to do with Cam Akers, um, someone that I know a lot of folks are really excited about. Um, so, you know, a, a peek behind the curtain. Um, Brandon and I actually already recorded an NFC West um, <laughs> preview, uh, but for technical issues, we had to scrap it um, because the audio was, we'll just say, horrific. Um, I would not have put any of you through that. Um, so we actually already talked about Cam Akers. Um, interestingly enough, uh, you know, I think basically to, to, to give you the, the short of it, we both felt really good about Cam Akers and we were both really excited about him. Um, but we were both also excited about Daryl Henderson because I think we felt like the ADP was just way too low for someone of that skill level and that, you know, bare minimum you were going to get a great handcuff and then maybe something more if McVay continued to split the carries. Um you know, we'll get to the NFC West again at some point. Now, of course, we'll have a different conversation about that particular backfield. Um, but with Cam Akers tearing his Achilles, 
um, you know, devastating news, certainly for anyone that's already had a draft, for anyone uh, in Dynasty. Brandon and I just participated in um, a Scott Fishbowl satellite best ball league. Um, neither of us, unfortunately, had any shares of uh, Daryl Henderson in that one. Um, that would have been nice. Um, but fortunately, we did not have Cam Akers. Uh, I would have to guess anyone in those leagues that has Cam Akers is having a, a tough time. Um, what we wanted to cover on this briefly is I want to look at it from a redraft perspective as well as a dynasty perspective. So let's start with redraft. Of course, now Cam Akers, um, you know, he's going to be out for uh, the entirety of the year with an Achilles tear. We know that that's a devastating injury for athletes. Um, what that leaves right now is a backfield basically led by Daryl Henderson. So I'm wondering from you guys' perspective, um, I want to start with you, Zay. Uh, how do you feel about Henderson in this backfield? Do you think this will be his backfield? Um, do you think that any of these other guys here, whether it's, uh, you know, Zay Jones or um, who is this other rookie that they drafted? It was Jake Funk. Xavier oh. Jones and uh, – <laughs> right. The Funk Master, Jake Funk. That's right, the Funk Master. Uh, do you do you see value in any of these guys? Do you think that they go out of house to find someone? What What are your thoughts there, Zay? I do think um, they got to get somebody else in there. I know they got a lot of young guys there, but they probably weren't banking on playing them that much. I mean, maybe some special teams or some spot fill in. You know, the guys just trying to catch a breath and. You know, Cam being the RB1 and then Henderson, you know, really maybe being a third down back or just kind of filling in when needed. But I think Henderson's kind of – we've already seen what he is at this point. And people know, like, serviceable, really good. But for what that offense needs, especially with Stafford there, and that really changes up what maybe they can do with Cup and Woods. And, uh, and, and then their passing attack, I think people are expecting some big things with Stafford. But now is that more pressure to him? And I think they got to get some more established guys in there. So I don't know who else they can make a trade with or in, in training camp. But, um, you know, using some young running backs, you, you can definitely do that on the cheap. See what you got in-house. And obviously with training camp beginning, like Brandon said here next week, they'll see what they got. And then maybe they'll figure out, hey, we need to upgrade and, and go from there. But kind of ambiguous. You kind of know what Henderson is. And it's nice to have a lead dog there. But you need to have uh, some, some more support, I think in terms of fantasy to help anchor your team because Henderson, he might be your flex and he might just be sitting pretty on the bench for you. Is Theo Riddick still in the NFL? <laughs> hey. hey. We know, we know Matt Stafford him. loves him some Theo Riddick. I think they need to go get Reggie Bush. Bring him back to L.A. There you go. Pair him with mm. Stafford again. I mean, there, you go. there was some magic there at one point. Yeah. He's, he's in a booth somewhere, right, Reggie? I think <laughs> – they can, yeah, they can yes. get him back. He's probably still got the legs. <clears throat> what What are your thoughts, Brandon? Um, it, what do you think they're going to do with this backfield? It is really fascinating to me what they do because the Rams have Super Bowl aspirations. Like They, they are 100% in. They believe they have a Super Bowl team with the trade they made to get Stafford. Like, there's no way around it. And the knock on Henderson is he's never been a bell cow. Like, he... To what Zay was just saying, he's a change of pace. He's a receiving back. Like he's not going to get most of the work. So the fact that Cam Akers got hurt, it doesn't change who Daryl Henderson is. So now, in my opinion, I think what's going to happen is one. I, I really think they're going to bring in a veteran. They're going to bring in an Adrian Peterson, a Todd Gurley, a Lev Bell. I mean, there's still some serviceable guys out there who could do something. Um, 
So while if they don't go that route, I think what you're going to see is you're going to see a bump, and it's going to become a heavy passing attack with Stafford, Cup, Woods, Higby. You utilize Henderson more in that role because he is a receiving back. You're not forcing the ball down the throat or down the defense with him between the tackles. So if they go with Henderson and he's the guy, I think everyone in the passing attack gets a bump. Um, if they bring someone in, they're probably going to try to stay more traditional, try to find that balance. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do over these next two, three weeks leading up to the season. Yeah, I absolutely feel that. Um, I, I think if they stick with what they have currently, it's going to be what it was at the beginning of last year before Akers took over, where mm-hmm. it's going to be that that rotation that they did. They'll work all these guys in. They'll, they'll kind of see what's happening there. It seems like they'll definitely bring somebody else in. You know, it just depends on, like, how high profile that person is, I guess. Um, I mean, they lost you know, Malcolm Brown. Malcolm Brown's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. He's in Miami, yeah. so. Oh, yeah. It's even more inexperienced than what it was last year. Malcolm Brown playing that Jordan Howard role in Miami <laughs> out there this year. <clears throat> Going to be pl- plunging in from six feet out. <laughs> oh, man, that is, a, that is a terrifying but fruitful role in fantasy <laughs> when you're just waiting for that, that offense to get down to the one-yard line so your boy can fall over the line. Um <laughs> But, you know, it, it, it's funny because I, I know I had messaged you guys about this, but when I first saw this, the, the absolute first name that popped into my head was, man, this seems like a perfect situation for Melvin Gordon, right? Um, it, I, I'm not saying that it's definitely going to happen. I'm not predicting it, but um, it, it certainly seems like, you know, the, the writing is on the wall for Melvin Gordon's time in Denver. That's something that we discussed in our AFC West preview. Uh, my prediction there was that, uh, the Broncos were going to move on from Melvin Gordon as opposed to just cutting him, you know, it'd be nice to trade him and actually get something in return, you know? So, I mean, if we're looking at like a day three pick or, I mean, we're talking about the Rams, you know? So like, if you ask for a day three pick, the Rams would be like, do you want three? Like, we'll give you three day three picks or like maybe like a first rounder. You're gonna have to wait like six years, but like, we'll give you a first rounder, like in 2030. Um, <laughs> if you want that, that's our next one. Um, I, it, it feels like that would be one heck of a pairing, right? Like, I mean, you get, uh, an established three down veteran bell cow, like Melvin Gordon, who can handle himself in pass protection, who can catch the ball out of the backfield. I feel like he'd pair real nicely with Stafford in that offense. I mean, I don't know what do you guys think about that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a great fit. Um, but to your point, like I just, I don't know how it happens. Because to your point, the Rams have no picks. Like, <laughs> they have nothing to offer Denver. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think for for Denver, what it would boil down to is if Denver really does want to move on from Melvin Gordon, then something's yeah. better than nothing. You know, sure. so like if you, if you get a sixth rounder, you know, or a fifth rounder or whatever mm-hmm. <clears throat> for next year's draft, and you were, you were just going to let the guy walk anyway, you know, then... You, you move on to Javante and then Melvin Gordon is happy because he goes and he can have a bell cow role somewhere. So I, I could see it working out. I'm not predicting it by any stretch of the imagination, but um, I think that would definitely be an interesting one to look out for. I, I think also too, it'd be great 
it'd be a great fit because he can catch the ball out of the backfield so well. Mm-hmm. I mean, Phil Rivers is probably one of the greatest screen going quarterbacks of all time. And, you know, when you look at Melvin's catching stats, it's always, you know, 40 balls pretty much since he came in to the league. I'm last year, probably a little bit less, but that he can do really some amazing things. If Stafford can drop that off, they can set some screens up some uh, misdirection. I think that can be really helpful for the Rams, but then also really for him and having a, a unique role without worrying about, you know, Javante right behind him. So I think that could really benefit him. Um, stats wise, as he's looking for maybe another deal just before he, you know, kind of rides on the sunset <laughs> with running backs age and stuff. Right. No, no disrespect, no yep. disrespect MG, you know what I'm saying? But just how the league views, old, uh, <laughs> views older running backs that could maybe be fruitful for both parties. Yeah, I, I think that the it would be an intriguing match. There's no doubt about that. You know, and he's got one year left on that deal. You know, so in that way, I think it would really work out well for the Rams. You know, like they they see what they have in Gordon. That also lets them watch the progress of Cam Akers' rehab. And then if Cam Akers comes in a training camp next year looking like, you know, he's fully rehabbed this thing, he looks great. Um, then there's, you know, at that point, there's no need for them to continue on with Melvin Gordon. They move on, they hand it back over to Cam Akers, and they go from there. Now, with that being said, we know historically that Achilles injuries have been brutal for running backs, uh, for wide receivers, you know, especially for these skill position players. Um, So, you know, I, I guess my question is, do you guys have any lingering concern about Cam Akers' dynasty value moving forward? Now, he's not Melvin Gordon in the sense that Melvin Gordon's like 28. Cam Akers is like just turned 22. Like this is still a young, young dude. Um, so, I mean, there's no reason that he shouldn't still be able to have a very long career moving forward. But we do know that this can be a devastating injury. So what are you guys' thoughts about Cam Akers' dynasty value moving forward? Um, I mean, I think if I have him, I'm not moving off of him. Um, I think if I'm doing a dynasty draft now, I'm probably a little bit more cautious. I'm, I would probably drop him. I, I mean, he was a first round pick. Most, most dynasty leagues. I'm now probably looking no earlier than like five, six in terms of rounds. Like maybe as a flyer as like a third running back it, 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 like that I can stash um, I mean to your point he is young so this is not a towards middle of the career or end of the career type injury so hopefully he's able to bounce back um, but to your point it is a pretty devastating injury for running backs so yeah how about you Zay what do you think yeah, I think this is going to be tough. I think in Dynasty, he's still probably a top 25 pick, if I'm being aggressive. Uh, he's he's only 22, so that helps him. But I think, didn't Marlon Mack tear his Achilles? Yeah. Um, and Deontay Foreman, too. So I know Marlon Mack was really trying, he's trying to come back. Obviously, Taylor's ahead of him and things. But you just lose that explosion. I think when we look at other athletes and other sports, like a Kevin Durant and someone like that coming back, you're like, oh, wow, you know, maybe there's hope, but that's a different sport. You know, you're not having people tackle you at every play and gunning for your legs. And that's a different, that's a different way of playing. And so I hope he comes back, but dynasty, I think maybe a top 30 uh, pick 
for a top 30 running back, but really a flyer because you just don't know. Like you're really hoping for maybe not even next year, but the 23 season. Because you got to get back into football shape and and, and game shape. So maybe 23, that's fruitful, but that's a long hold. And so if you have the the ability to do that on your IR spots, then, then great. But if not, then maybe look elsewhere. Yeah, I think, you know, Brandon was talking about a startup and like in that way, I think that if you're doing a startup like now, he is such a fascinating, productive struggle running back. You know, that was a a term, of course, coined by by Ryan McDowell, um, where, you know, if you're taking younger players, you're not necessarily trying to win that first year. I mean, Cam Akers, I think he's money in that way where like you just kind of like let that asset sit. And then if he comes back and he's the dude again, then all of a sudden that asset can skyrocket in value. Um, One thing that I, you know, you brought up Marlon Mack, Zay, and and I think that that's going to be super helpful for those out there with Cam Akers shares. Because if Marlon Mack comes back and if he looks like himself, I mean, I think that's going to give tremendous hope to folks that are waiting on Cam Akers. Because Mack is older, he's got a more significant injury history then cam makers every player is different but medicine has changed a lot over the last 20 years and mm-hmm. if marlon mack can come back and look like himself and look like he still has some of that explosion um i think that that's going to make people feel a lot better about what this could look like for cam makers um you know so i think that's going to be super interesting i know i'm going to be keeping a really close eye on marlon mack to see what he looks like um you know like if he looks like junk i mean like that would make me more i mean it wouldn't be a death knell for acres but that would make me more nervous we'll put it that way Mm -hmm. all right well let's move into the afc east um there's a lot to talk about with this particular division um so as a reminder the way we're going to do this is i'll go through and i will look at the depth chart and just give us an idea of some of the players that we will be talking about for each specific team uh and then we'll go through and we'll talk about our smash the button players so these are players that we would uh, be drafting at adp our run screaming into the night players these are players that we are running away from at all costs at their adp Um, and then we'll give a hot take Um, so let's start with the aforementioned afc east division champion buffalo bills so buffalo so (laughs) so buffalo of course uh returns the transcendent josh allen at quarterback uh, just because I think we know uh, on brand that this is a favorite of the pod. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky is the backup quarterback in Buffalo. That is just wild on so many levels. Uh, Bills fans, let us let us hope that Mitchell Trubisky only sees the field in blowout situations. Um, at running back, uh, despite Buffalo's best efforts this offseason, they are trotting Zach Moss and Devin Singletary back out there um, at wide receiver. Uh, the, the revelation that is Stefan Diggs, of course, will be returning. Um, Gabe Davis, who showed a lot of promise last year, uh, comes back. Uh, they brought in, uh, well, we, we didn't bring this name up, but I mean, I guess here's a, a potential uh, helpful story for Cam Akers. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, who did have an Achilles tear, uh, he has you know, continued to, to produce the last few years since coming back from that. He's now on the Buffalo Bills. 
Uh, and, and for all of your medical advice and hot takes, you can go to Cole Beasley, um, who will, who will bring the heat for you. Um, at tight end, uh, they bring back Dawson Knox, uh, Brandon and I, I think have brought this up on the pod. I think we still have suspicions that Zach Ertz will be on this roster at some point, but he's not yet. Um, so Dawson Knox is your guy, uh, as well as if you like to pop your collar, Jacob Hollister is there as well. Um, over on the defensive side of the ball, uh, they, they always seem to have stud linebackers and of course, Tremaine and Biddens and Matt Milano are back. Um, you also have a couple just, I think, interesting names here that I'll bring up, uh, AJ Klein, who came in for the injured Matt Milano and just blew up. Um, he's there. Tyrell Adams, who came in for injured Houston linebackers blew up. He is randomly on this roster as well um and then uh, tyler matikavich uh who came in and played for injured steelers linebackers and blew up uh he's here so i mean buffalo really really stocking up on the linebackers good good on you buffalo um let's see here uh of course we have uh jordan poyer who really has established himself as one heck of a safety one um he he comes back micah hyde uh, who seems like he's been here forever at free safety for the Bills. He is back. Um, at uh, end, they drafted just all kinds of guys. Uh, they've got Gregory Rousseau and Carlos Basham are the two folks that they drafted. Uh, A.J. Epinesa they brought in last year. They still have Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes uh, out there at edge as well. Um, at defensive tackle, we don't bring up a ton of defensive tackles, but Ed, Ed Oliver is definitely interesting for Buffalo. Um, definitely one to keep an eye on there. Uh, they have Tredavious White. That's good for NFL purposes. Please do not draft him for IDP purposes. They do not throw at him. Um, but on the other side, whoever's playing, you can draft them. Um, we'll let Brandon tell you who, who some of those, uh, tasties are. Um, so uh, <clears throat> there's there's your rundown of the Bills roster. So why don't we start with who we're smashing the button for? Uh, Zay, I know you probably don't want any Bills on your roster, but if you had to, um, who what guys are you smashing the button for? Uh, I'm going, well, you know, if I do have to pick any Buffalo Bills on my roster, uh, and full disclosure, I did have Josh Allen on a uh, league winner last year. So, you know, much thanks out to, to Mr. Allen. Um, <laughs> Manny Sanders. Uh, at the ADP of around 212. I mean, that is really exciting for a guy that could be the wide receiver too, kind of on the outside. I know there's there's obviously some some younger guys there that, that are out there, but I think when you need someone who's really established and you have a team that really played in the AFC Championship game, they, they're gunning for the, the, whole, the whole enchilada, right? They're not trying to just do the division again. They're trying to win the whole title. And when you're going up against Mahomes and potentially anyone over in the NFC and all the competition in, in the division, you're going to need to air it out. And if Diggs is double teamed or if Diggs goes down, I think Sanders can step up as um, as a guy that can count on. I'm not going to say a true wide receiver one for fantasy purposes, but I think at that ADP, that's just free money. If he can get you maybe anywhere from six to eight touchdowns, you know, maybe eight, nine hundred yards, 
you know, maybe 60, 70 catches. I mean, that's a win in fantasy, especially at that ADP of 212. So I'm smashing the button on Manny Sanders um, with all that ADP loving. I love it. Um, Brandon, how about you? I'm, I'm sure you would like to draft all of the Buffalo Bills, but we yeah, can't talk I mean, about I mean, all of them. So, uh. <laughs> who, who wouldn't want to draft all of them? I mean, this is <laughs> this is a fantasy gold mine. Like Buffalo is a fantasy gold mine on both sides of the ball. Um, I can't believe one... you're saying that, and I actually have to agree with you. That yes. makes me a little nauseous. Um. <laughs> I mean, think about it. You have Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, Jordan Poyer on the defensive side of the ball, and then you have Josh Allen and, and his stock of wide receivers. I mean, this is fantasy gold. Um, the one thing that I will add about Emmanuel Sanders is that Brian Dable has already come out and said that he sees Sanders as an outside and an inside guy. Buffalo last year ran, I think, the second most four wide receiver sets behind only Arizona. You now have Sanders on this team. I think they're going to run even more four wide receiver sets, and you're going to have Sanders on the inside. Um, but for me, the one player that I'm smashing the button on is Gabriel Davis. I think he had a great rookie year. He took over for John Brown when John Brown was hurt, and he played very well. I think he's going to come in, and he's still going to hold that number two spot on the outside opposite of Diggs. I mean, he had, when you have a player like Diggs, Davis was – finding the end zone regularly. I mean, I think he had seven touchdowns last year as a rookie. Um, Another year in the NFL, another year with Josh Allen. Um, I really like Gabriel Davis. The way that he plays on the outside, the way he's able to win those jump balls along the sidelines. Towards the end of the year, Josh Allen had a lot of trust in him that if he throws it in a place where only Gabriel Davis can get it, Gabriel Davis was going to come down with it. Um, there was a time, I think it was, I want to say it was the Colts game where he made two toe grabs on the sidelines, almost back-to-back plays against the Colts. Um, so I really think Gabriel Davis is going to take that next step. And in this offense, with how much they're throwing the ball, I think he's a, he's a great player to go get. So I... I don't. I don't know why. And and you you are absolutely the Bills expert. Um, so I, I I think I need to take your word on this one. But for for some reason I just feel like I have it stuck in my head that Gabriel Davis is the fourth option. Um, and not that it's like super tiered, but like I think b- between Emmanuel Sanders, who we know has made a living on getting open at all, you know, portions of the field. Cole Beasley, who, you know, despite his um, just fire medical takes, um, you know, it is somebody that has proven to annoyingly always be open, regardless of what team he's on. Um, And we know Allen likes to feed him the ball, especially on third down. Um, And then, of course, you know, I mean, I I think uh, Diggs led the NFL in targets last year, right? Um, I mean, I... I, I know that Allen is going to be looking at all these guys and, and they threw so much last year that that could still leave a lot of meat on the bone for mm-hmm. Gabriel Davis. But I've found mm-hmm. myself in drafts so far when Gabriel Davis comes up, I feel like someone has always been way more excited to draft Gabriel Davis than me. Um, am, am I wrong for that? You know, like I, I think that's just where I've found myself. So you kind of have to read 
between the lines. Like I brought up Brian Dable's point about Sanders can play inside and outside. Him saying that makes me think that he is not going to be the second option. He's going to be on the field only in those four wide receiver sets. He's a veteran presence in there. The other thing that like I think is worth noting, and Dable has said it and Sean McDermott has said it, that they want to find balance with this offense, but balance does not mean 50-50 run pass. They keep talking about they want to find efficiencies with the run game, which means that they are planning on coming into this year and they're going to let Josh Allen sling it all over the field. Um, so to your point, yes, Gabriel Davis's ADP is going up and it's going up pretty far, but I have a, I'm very confident that I think he really is going to be that number two wide receiver to an extent. Cole Beasley is going to be a PPR monster. But I think that Davis is going to have more touchdowns than Beasley. And yardage-wise, I think Davis is probably going to end up maybe 100 less. Like, Beasley is going to have more receptions. I think he had like a 17-yard per reception average last year, Gabriel Davis did. I mean, I really think Gabriel Davis is the guy. But to your point, like, where people are taking him, I would be hesitant because of some of that uncertainty right now yeah i hear that um and i mean beasley might even slow down because he's got a lot on his plate this year i mean he's now with like team physician he's a beat he's a beat reporter i mean i saw that he's you know he's he's getting some of those takes out there about COVID on the team um he's got a lot on his plate i mean he's he's really he's he's wearing a lot of hats this year so um you know i I think he might take a step back (laughs) Yeah, the tinfoil mm. variety. <laughs> so. You know, Br- Brandon, to your point that the, they could have more trust in him, and I actually don't know this, so I'm asking for, for reference. How did Gabriel Davis do in the AFC title game? I know it's a little bit different in, in terms of fantasy, so, but in terms of the trust in there, I know he's a yeah, rookie, but yeah, he, can you tell me a little bit about that? He, he was a rookie. The, the challenge is, is that they he was hurt. He was hurt in the playoffs. Um, okay. I think it was an ankle injury, and it either happened in the Colts game or happened in the Ravens game, but he was not 100% going into that Chiefs game. Um, So, I mean, to your point, yes, I think that what he does in the AFC Championship game would speak volumes, but it's also he did have an injury that probably hindered him. Oh, good. As a a plus, I will say that – Cole Beasley probably would have seen him at 100%, considering that Cole Beasley was playing on a broken leg. <laughs> so, so he was probably like, suck it up, Gabriel Davis. <laughs> your leg looks fine to me. <laughs> you don't have a bone sticking out of your leg. Mm-hmm. With my x-ray vision, I see your leg is healed. <laughs> so uh, really quickly, my smash the button player is Zach Moss. Um, so... We, we've talked about this before, so I won't really belabor this, but um, I I think that Zach Moss is basically being drafted, at, I mean, potentially below his floor. Uh, right now, he's the running back 35, so I'll give you an idea of who he's going around. Um, David Johnson, that's pretty gross. Um, Rojo, we don't even, I mean, there's like five running backs there. <laughs> you know, I, I love me some Ronald Jones, but like, give me Zach Moss there. Uh, James Conner, oh no. Um, Kenyon Drake, even more, oh no. 
Um, I mean, running back 35 is ridiculous. So I'm not trying to say for a second that I think that Zach Moss is going to deliver you top 10 value, but at running back 35, that's absurd. You know, like there's no way barring injury that Zach Moss can finish below running back 35. And you're probably looking at a top 24 running back that you're getting at running back 35. So, I mean, I think Zach Moss is a ludicrous value right now. Um, If it stays there, I'm going to have a ton of Zach Moss in leagues that I'm probably not in with these two gentlemen. Um, So because I just think that that's an absurd value. So this is the thing with Zach Moss. And I already mentioned it, that bills are probably going in, that they're not going to utilize the run game much at all. But I think between Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, Zach Moss is built to be the featured bell cow. Like, he is the one to get the work. He's, I think his blitz pickup last year is very underrated, and I think it's something that you don't think about in fantasy, but blitz pickup leaves you on the field. I think in terms, he's a pretty good receiving back, receiving back out of the backfield as well. Um, the challenge with Zach Moss is that you have Josh Allen, and Josh Allen is your goal line guy. Like he's the one who's had now eight touchdowns in the last three years or something like that. I think if he has eight, I saw this. If he has eight rushing touchdowns this year, he moves at the top ten in Bills franchise history for like rushing and receiving touchdowns. Like if you combine those two totals, like it, just those numbers, he's top ten in franchise history. Um, so that caps Zach's Moss potential, like, but there was times towards the end of the year, like you look at the game against the Steelers, Zach Moss got like six carries in the final drive where the Bills bled this final seven minutes of the game. Like the Bills trust him to be the rock, to be that bell cow. And the other thing is, is with how efficient their pass game is, Zach Moss and Devin Singletary were like bottom five in the league facing eight men in the box. They're never going to face eight men in the box. Like, So if Zach Moss, the one thing you have to worry about is he is coming off a toe injury that he suffered in the Colts game. He's been rehabbing that. All indications are that he's going to be fine um, going into training camp, but it's something worth watching. Um, so... Running back 35, I think, is great value, but you also have to just understand what you're getting, and you're probably getting a guy that's only going to get 10 to 15 carries a game, probably 60 yards, and the occasional touchdown. Like, that's kind of where he is. But I do think he surpasses Devin Singletary and is the number one running back. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. You know, and as a reminder about the, the floor and ceiling stuff, you know, just to, to make sure the, the listeners are on the same page, um, we, we have to think about our assumptions of a team going into the year. Um, so, I mean, to me, for running back 35, you're baking a lot into this, right? So, like, one of the things you're baking in is we think that Buffalo is going to remain the most pass-heavy team in the NFL. That could happen, but it might not, right? Um, you're baking in, um, you know, I'll, I'll knock on wood, but, like, you're baking in health for this offense. Like, so you're assuming that Diggs and Allen and all these guys are going to be healthy. Um, you know, what I'm saying is, is if all of those baked in assumptions happen, I still think Zach Moss exceeds where he's being drafted. And that would be his floor. Mm-hmm. Now, if you all of a sudden have a world where Singletary gets hurt 
or you know maybe they they feature Moss more in the red zone as opposed to Josh Allen or God forbid for Brandon and Bills fans a world where Josh Allen gets hurt and Mitch Trubisky comes yeah. in there like Zach Moss could be a league winner I mean now you're potentially talking a top 12 back um yeah. you know and am I predicting that no but where you're getting him like there's a ton of upside that people don't want to talk about with Zach Moss you know where it, this could actually go much, much better than people think it possibly could. Um, so, you know, I think that he's he's just super interesting to me, and I think I'm going to have a lot of him this year. Because um, at worst, I think he is a great flex option. Yeah. And then if some things break his way, which I'm not rooting for, for Brandon's sake, he could be much more than that. I mean, to your point, like, the guys he's going around, like, obviously, like, if it's between him and James Conner, yeah, Zach Moss, <laughs> every time... Twice on Sunday, like Cha-ching. yeah. <laughs> so where he is right now, I think it's definitely worth a flyer to say it, it's worth a chance there. So absolutely, it definitely is. I mean, Singletary is pretty much the satellite back, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I mean, he'll get something in the tackles, but he's really the, the satellite guy. And so for a pure runner, that opens up a lot of opportunities. So as you said, they were bottom eight or bottom five with you know an eight man box. That opens up some opportunity, especially as everyone knows if, if Allen's going to be out there, you know, slinging that thing like he's, you know, like he's the next hot thing, then I think that that opens up some things, right? That makes them a little bit more unpredictable. So, yeah, you're in, you know, single back, maybe three, four wide receiver set, but here comes Moss and there you go. Now it's second and five or second and three uh, because now you've opened up the, the you've opened up the lanes for him. Exactly. Absolutely. Now, moving into our run, screaming into the night players, uh, Brandon, who are who are you uh, running from uh, for, for the Bills at ADP? So this is the thing, and it breaks my heart because I love this player, but I'm running away from Matt Milano. It, it, it's in terms of where you would have to draft him, I, I, he's not durable enough for me to, to warrant taking him where I would need to. Um I mean, this guy has just dealt with injury after injury. He had one healthy year in basically his four-year career this past year. Suffered an injury week one, tried to come back, suffered a pec injury. Um, when he's on the field, I think he, he's excellent. I think he's one of the best pass coverage linebackers in the league. Um, but I just can't afford to take a chance on him knowing that there's a good chance he's not playing all 16 games. Yeah, I'm with you on this. I also feel like over the past few years, Matt Milano is getting into that category of better for the Buffalo Bills than he is yeah. for your roster. Um, and, and those are the guys that you definitely want to stay away from. Um, so I'm, I'm with you. Um, so going along those lines, I'm actually running away from Tremaine Edmonds for different reasons. Um, this is a good player, so don't hear what I'm not saying here. Um, like I, I'm not telling you to not draft Tremaine Edmonds. What I've been finding over the last few years is that the hype of him being a first-round linebacker and an every-down linebacker, I find that someone is way more enthused about Tremaine Edmonds than I am, um, and I never get him anywhere. I just think that Tremaine Edmonds goes much earlier in a draft than I'm willing to take him based on what I think his production is likely going to be. Um, so as a result, I will have none of Tremaine Edmonds because I think that there's going to be other guys that can give me just as much production that I can get way later in a draft. 
Um, Zay, who, who are you running screaming from on the Bills? So once again, this is ADP-based. Uh, ADP-based, and I'm actually running away from Josh Allen. I think oh. he's going to be stellar. I think he's going to have a really Josh good season. Allen. You heard it here first. I don't. Yo, Mr. Rowland, <laughs> listening, I had you, really? like, had you on my team. But check, but check it out, though. He- hear me out. So his ADP is ADP at 38, so only behind, you know, Mahomes. In that third or fourth round region, for me and how I like to have my roster construction, um, I can I feel like I can wait another round or two to maybe get Russ or Dak or Burrow or Kyler or Brady. And in that range, I feel like maybe I can get Chris Carson, who I think is going to have a monster workload, or F1 uh, McLaurin or Robert Woods or CeeDee Lamb in that area rather than Josh Allen. I feel like I'd want to have my roster stack a little bit more with another wide receiver one, but stacked in my second wide receiver slot as opposed to having Josh up there. I know he brings a lot of great value with, with rushing and potentially being that that Konami code that that's mentioned there. But I think I, for my roster construction for the ADP of 38, I may wait a little bit later to get a, to get a quarterback and then have another stud at running back a wide receiver. So it's only his ADP this year. Last year, he was around fifth, sixth round. That, that was a nice place to take him. But I think that ADP of 38, just a little too high for me because of the other values that are on the board. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. And to your point, you know, like if you if you wait in that fifth, sixth, seventh round, you can get Dak, you can get Kyler, you know, like, and are they definitely going to be better than Josh Allen? No, but like they might be darn close and you can get that player that is close to that production. And to your point, you can get a bunch of other guys to fill your roster in. Uh, so I'm, I'm with you. You know, that's definitely that. uh you know, J.J. Zacharyson, um, late round QB kind of thing where you if, if you take that quarterback really high, you need that quarterback to kill it. And if he doesn't, then your team is done. Um, you know, and it's a it's a tough, tough way to go in a single QB league. Right. Anything to add, Brandon? Uh, my, my feelings are hurt. I figured. <clears throat> well, then you're really not, not going like this. Yeah. Um. <laughs> no, 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 I mean, I, I understand your point. I, I think that basically, and I know we're going to get the hot takes, but my hot take is Josh Allen finishes QB1 for the second straight year. Um, I think the reason is is because of the rushing yards and the, and the rushing touchdowns. That puts his floor um, much higher. Um, and obviously with how this offense is set up uh, to – sling it I think that he really is going to finish his QB1 however that difference from QB1 to QB2 who is possibly Dak or Patrick Mahomes or something like that is not going to be as great as some of these other positions to your point like the wide receiver or running back or something like that Um, so in terms of value I certainly can understand it Um, but I do still think that Josh Allen finishes as the top QB for a second straight year. Nice. And I'm not necessarily disagreeing you, disagreeing with you, but I'm going to have a slightly alternative take here as to how I'm going to deal with Josh Allen. Uh, what do these three teams in common uh, have in common? The Pittsburgh Steelers, the Miami Dolphins, and the Washington football team. Oh, yeah, it's brutal defenses. It's off to a very tough start for Josh Allen. Yeah. 
all three of them play Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills weeks one, two, and three. Um, that is an absolutely awful schedule to start. So, I mean, if we're talking super flex, don't even think about it. Don't worry about it. Just take Josh Allen. If we're talking single QB, this is the other reason, to Zay's point, that I will have zero Josh Allen in single QB because you don't need that in your life. Like, you do not need to start with those three brutal weeks in a single QB league. So, I mean, if you're going to take someone like a Josh Allen, you're probably going to have to then back it up with a second QB. I mean, that's wasting a ridiculous amount of capital. So in single QB leagues, I will be making trade offers for Josh Allen week three <laughs> because after these teams are now languishing at 0-2 and really regretting their life choices, I will be swooping in to get me some Josh Allen. Um, so, I mean, that, that will be my strategy with Josh Allen because I will agree with Brandon. I think he's going to kill it. But I think those first three weeks are going to kill the teams that draft him. Yeah, and if what if teams hold out, the way he ends the season is Carolina, New England, Atlanta, and the Jets. So if you hold out hope come playoff time, you're going to have a very good quarterback. For sure. Zay, what's your hot take? Uh, my hot take is going back to Zach Moss. I think he ends up as a top 20 uh, RB just with, I think, the opportunity that he has, and I think to mix things up. I think as teams are watching tape on the Bills and trying to get hip on how to stop them, I think that's where they can throw in some nice change of pace plays for Zach Moss. So I think he ends up as a top 20 RB this year. So, like you said, he was drafted RB 35, so top 20 that's a win because I think he's going to bring some of that value there. That's a huge win, especially considering you're getting him as your third or fourth running back on your team. I mean, you Mm -hmm. get RB2 value for that. That's absolutely huge. Um, All right. Well, we we hit the bills pretty hard there. I figured that we would. Um, Let's move over to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Certainly a very interesting team. I'm sure that we'll have plenty to talk about here. So hitting the depth chart uh, fast here, uh, we bring back uh, Tua for year two. Uh, because he got benched a few times last year, I feel like I need to mention Jacoby Brissett as the backup, just in case, not wishing that on Dolphins fans. Um, at running back, uh, this is another team that seemed like they wanted to take a running back, uh, namely Javante Williams. It didn't work out for them. They bring back Miles Gaskin. Uh, they signed Malcolm Brown. Uh, they still have uh, Savan Ahmed, um, and uh, they drafted Jared Dokes in the seventh round. Uh, apparently, Patrick Laird is still on that team, for better or for worse. We know that happened a few times in the past. Uh, at receiver, they completely remade this receiver room. Um, so they still have Preston Williams, um, and they, they still have Devontae Parker, but um, they now bring in Will Fuller, as well as the sixth overall pick, Jalen Waddell, um, former teammate of Tua, uh, which should be really interesting. And then at tight end, Miles, er, <clears throat> excuse me, Mike Gesicki remains there, as well as their third round draft pick, Hunter Long, who could see some time um, in 12 personnel or certainly with an injury uh, to Gesicki. And defense... Uh, They bring back Jerome Baker at linebacker. They also um, signed or traded for Bernardrick uh, McKinley. I don't remember which one it was. 
Um, but they, they have him in there as potentially a two-down run stuffer. At edge, uh, they drafted Jalen Phillips with one of their first-round picks. Uh, they also have Andrew Van Ginkle, for what that's worth. Um, and then uh, they don't really have a ton to talk about on the line. Uh, Christian Wilkins, I guess, has given a little bit of value um, on occasion uh, at defensive line as well. Uh, for safety, it's a little bit of a mess. Uh, they drafted Javon Holland, uh, who we talked about. He's definitely pretty interesting, but it, it will be uh, unique to see how they use him. I've, I've read a, a variety of different reports about how the Dolphins might plan to use Javon Holland. Um, they also have Eric Rowe. And then at corner, uh, they've got a lot of guys. Um, Byron Jones is probably not someone you want to draft because he doesn't get thrown at a ton. Uh, Zaven Howard is in that same boat. You know, he's a, a great corner. Um, and then they've got uh, Jason McCourty as well. Um, I'm imagining with those guys that McCourty's probably the one that will get thrown at quite a bit. Um, all right. So with that being said, uh, let's move right into how we feel about the Dolphins. Uh, Zay, can you start us off with your smash the button players for the Dolphins? One guy who I'm really like overly excited about is Miles Gaskin. The ADP is 60. You know, blast up that fire emoji, you know, to the moon. Stock is up. I think when you talk about that dead zone, um, that dead zone running back, you know, rounds five and six. I mean, he's the guy. I mean, they didn't draft anybody really at that at that place. And I just think he's going to get a lot of work uh, if he if he stays healthy. Right. Of course. But um, I really like his value there. ADP 60 uh, going in that that RB dead zone where you're like, ah, who do I take here? And once again, depending on your roster construction, but I, I really like Miles Gaskin. I'm going to try to grab him at every single juncture I can for a flex, uh, without a doubt. But then obviously by weeks, he's going to be my go-to guy. I think he just brings uh, a lot to the table with, with that team. And since they didn't draft anybody that told me, oh man, I need to pay attention to what that coaching staff's doing with the run game. So, um, Miles Gaskin is my guy, ADP 60. I, I love it. Um, I, I have nothing to add because Gaskin, I mean, with, with where he's going, I think you bake some of the potential risk in for Gaskin to not fully be the guy there. And and the, the upside is like a top 12 running back. I mean, Gaskin's mm. absolutely fantastic. Um, Brandon, who, who are you smashing the button for uh, for the Dolphins? Uh, for me, it's Mike Gusecki. Um I think that we, we all know that tight end is kind of a crapshoot at this point. Um, and, and for me, I think Gusecki provides enough upside um, that he, he's certainly worth targeting towards the, I don't know, if you, if you miss out on the top four, even if you miss out on the top six, I think Gusecki is someone who, who provides good value Um after that and someone I'd be looking at. All right. So you guys are going to have to talk me into this one. Cause I think Zay's into Gasicki too. Um, I'm, I'm not there. Is this the YouTube stuff where he's, you know, one hand catching it over two defenders. Like I just, there's a lot of, a lot of potential guys here. We haven't seen it yet with Tua in terms of his ability to, you know, feed, um, I guess multiple folks. So, I mean, is Gasicki going to be the first read here? Like I, I haven't found myself drafting Gasicki anywhere. 
I think it takes just tight ends a little bit longer to develop. And I think as we've all kind of seen throughout the years and sorry, Brendan, go ahead. I don't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, I'm agreeing 100% with you there that I think that the tight end position takes a little bit more time to develop. Um, and I just, I think he's going to be tight um, touchdown dependent more than anything. And I think having a Will Fuller, Jalen Waddell, now defenses have to kind of worry about other people, especially Waddle now, where he can get over the top. It should open up the middle of the field for Gesicki more. And, and he's just an athletic tight end. I mean, at some point it has to click for him. So, I mean, I will say, as you mentioned, you know, I think he's just as good of a dart throw as anyone else at that point. You know, um, he he hasn't tended to be my dart throw. Um, but I'm, I'm certainly not going to, you know, poo-poo anyone for, for him being the guy. I mean, I think that it, it's an ambiguous receiving room, to say the absolute least. There is not, like, a guy here. So, like, could it be Gasicki? It absolutely could. And I could I could certainly see the touchdown upside there. So um, I, I was interested to see how you guys felt about him because I just have not, for whatever reason, he just hasn't been my guy. Um, but I, I, I certainly see those points. Um, so my smash the button player and i uh, both of these guys i just can't quit them um so you guys are gonna have to talk me off of this one i guess um but i'm still smashing the button on will fuller uh as brandon knows i already smashed the button uh in sfb 11 um there was other guys there but i couldn't say no um i just can't can't say no to will fuller um so Will Fuller is wide receiver 39 right now. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand that he's suspended for week one, but that's one week. Um, and when he comes back, to me, I think he's got just as good a shot of anyone to seize control of this receiving room. Um, and of all of the people here, other well, I, I guess I should say Devontae Parker um, did have a breakout a couple years ago, but you know, we saw like a steady connection, I guess, with Tua, but nothing special last year, right? That could develop. But I mean, at least I think what we think we know about Tua so far is that he wants to see someone get open. That's not exactly Devontae Parker's strong suit. Um, Parker is more of that fits magic. Like, you know, he's never going to be open. So you just throw it to a spot and you let him go get it. That doesn't seem to be Tua's strength. Um, Tua seems to want the receiver to get open, and that is something that Will Fuller is very good at, is getting open. Um, it seems like Jalen Waddle is as well. That could be the competition, but I guess I'm just not sold yet on Jalen Waddle because he's a rookie. I don't know how much he's going to be on the field with some of these other guys. Um, so, so for me, I guess I find myself coming back to Will Fuller thinking, like, wide receiver 39, like, I feel like that could be pretty close to Will Fuller's floor, you know, if he's healthy. Um, now, I, I completely get people being off of Will Fuller for potential injury concerns. We know he's been very injured in his career, but he wasn't last year. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know that I'm fully convinced that, like, PEDs were keeping him healthy. Um, I guess you never know, but, like, I, I, I guess I, I find the, the potential allure and the ceiling of Will Fuller um, to be very enticing at wide receiver 39. Um, he's going around guys like Jarvis Landry, like maybe I'm just going to be that guy that disparages Jarvis Landry, like the rest of the community, but like, I'm not feeling it. There's no upside there. Right. Like, I mean, I get, he's a PPR darling. 
I know that there's a place for that, but there's zero upside. I think there's a ton of upside for Fuller. He's going around Hollywood Brown. Really? Come on, people. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> Just run away from Hollywood Brown. That is not a thing. It never was, and it's definitely not now with those other receiving options. Give me Will Fuller there for sure. Um, and then the other one that I'm in on is Jerome Baker. This is literally the inverse of Tremaine Edmonds. Um, no one ever seems to want Jerome Baker, and I always find him just sitting there on the board. And I'm like, but this dude's a three-down linebacker, and he always, always produces. Like, it doesn't matter who Miami brings in there. Jerome Baker is the dude that is going to see the field more than any other linebacker there. Um, so I just I find in all of our drafts that Jerome Baker is just sitting there, and I'm like, all right, <laughs> if no one else wants Jerome Baker, like, he, he can he can have his blow-up weeks for my team. That's fine. Um, so g- give me all the Jerome Baker. Um, I find him to be one of the least appreciated three-down linebackers in the NFL for IDP purposes. All right. Uh, why don't we just transition right over to uh, run screaming into the night uh, because I think that there's going to be some parallel here. So Zay um, – Tell me why I am an idiot on Will Fuller. I, I think, once again, going back to ADP, um, I like some other people around there. Uh, I really like Curtis Samuel around there um, and, and the hope. And I know Jarvis Landry, I know, as you just said, I think potentially for PPR with some catches, I like his, I like his floor a lot better. Um, and Will Fuller hasn't played a full season in his entire career so that worries me a little bit and he goes away from the AFC South where you know he was playing in a dome and went to the dome over in Indy and was playing in the warm confines of Jacksonville and um, he was playing with Deshaun where he was just being bombed out and you just knew that a couple of those routes he was going deep and he was catching and he always had big big statistical games and he's great but I think at that ADP, baking in some of that injury uh, cost and not really playing in a dome as much as more, um, how does that affect him? So I, I feel like I'd have to bake in a, a lot more risk for me in terms of, of Will Fuller. And so that's why I'm kind of screaming in the night to him because it's just it's not going to be the same guy, different QB, different system, different um, home confines he's playing in. And I just don't know. I wish him the best coming off it because he can be really dynamic just being that vertical threat. But. I think at ADP 93, I like some of those other cats uh, in that region. So you're worried about the frozen tundra of South Beach? Uh. <laughs> hey, man, I am, I am a little worried about that frozen tundra of, of Miami. You know, and plus, you know, Miami's a little more popping than Houston. I mean, that's a new environment. I mean, if, we, if we're keeping it a buck, I mean, Miami, you can do a little bit more a little more things than, than Houston can. I mean, Houston still gets it going, but... I mean, their their schedule is is pretty good. I mean, their division is going to be a lot tougher. I feel, um, um, so I think that is also baked into what I'm thinking about uh, in terms of, of that. But I know Miami warm warm's great. The humidity, you know, all year round. But um, as I think of them, I, I just can't I can't do it with 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 them. And you know, they, yeah, I just can't do it. I want to, but. <sighs> Am I telling me yes, but my body's telling me no. <laughs> no, I, I absolutely hear that. And I and I, I was I was busting your chops, obviously, but um I mean you you bring up a lot of points in and beyond the AFC South piece, I mean I think the biggest question everyone asks there is 
without Deshaun Watson, you know, like did Deshaun Watson make Will Fuller? And, you know, we, we don't know that. Right. Like, so I, I clearly I'm on the side of like, I think Will Fuller's a great receiver and I think that he can do it. One article I'll at least, um, uh, throw out there for folks to, to take a look at is um, Mike Tagliere over at Fantasy Pros does some interesting stuff. Uh, he does an article every year where he looks at um, basically like, you know, per carry or per reception context for where someone is on a field and expected point values that they might have. Uh, these are like efficiency based metrics. Um, but definitely check it out if you're interested. Uh, he put one out for receivers recently. Wolf Fuller was third on that list um, for points added, um, which I thought was really interesting. So this was third overall in the NFL. He was behind only Tyreek and Devontae Adams. Um, now, to be fair, um, you know, they're, it, it's a little skewed. Um, you'll see when you look at the rankings, and Tagliere even brings it up, like, some of this is based on the quarterback play, right? Like what role that they have in the offense. So for instance, like I think Henry Ruggs is like top 25 on this list. Clearly Henry Ruggs did no one any favors last year, but like he's a deep bomb guy, right? So like he's doing more with the targets that he receives. Um, but, you know, I, I guess in, in looking at it, I really do think that Will Fuller is an excellent receiver. I don't think that this was just Deshaun Watson based. Um but it, it's a gamble. There's no doubt about that. I just think that at the price of wide receiver 39 to get a potential wide receiver one, and remember, Will, Will Fuller was a wide receiver one last year before he got suspended. Um, I feel like it's just I, I find myself far too enticed by it every time. Um, Brandon, who are you running screaming from from Miami? <laughs> it's funny. I feel like we're all following the same trend here. For me, I'm running away from Devontae Parker. Um I think he is. It won't, it won't who, be hard to do. <laughs> yeah, the last two years he's had over a hundred targets, um, but he's had only about a fifty percent catch rate. And now you add in Will Fuller, you add in Jalen Waddle, you add in potentially an improved Mike Gesicki, and you're also taking into account that the Dolphins probably are not going to be the Buffalo Bills and slinging it everywhere. They're probably going to be more run pass balanced. Um, so if you think about the fact that like, even if you just say, let's say his targets go down to 90, well, now he's a 45 reception guy. Like, is it really worth drafting someone like Parker? Um, so for me, Parker is someone that I'm running away from. Yeah, I feel that. Well, I guess I'll just finish the trifecta here. Um, apparently, we're off on Tua because we are off on all of their wide receiving <laughs> options. Um, I'm running screaming from Jalen Waddle. Uh, this one has nothing to do with the player. I actually love Jalen Waddle. Um, anyone that listened to our preview episodes, I spoke really highly of Waddle as a wide receiver prospect. I think he's great. Um, but the community loves him way too much. He's going as a wide receiver 34. So remember, I told you that Fuller's going at 39. Um, Waddle's going at 34. Here's the receivers going around Waddle. T. Higgins, Chase Claypool, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. What are you doing? Do not take Jalen Waddle over any of these guys. I mean, this is this is the reverse of what we talked about earlier. This is a ceiling pick. Like, if everything goes right for Jalen Waddle, he will be wide receiver 34. Do not take Jalen Waddle around these other guys. 
I'll be smashing the button on every single one of those other receivers over Jalen Waddle. So I will have zero Waddle shares. Well, I shouldn't say that. He's going to get cut to the waiver wire after five weeks when he's done nothing. And then I will have lots of Jalen Waddle shares. But do not draft him around those other guys. That is a horrible choice. All right, let's move right into our hot takes. Uh, Brandon, why don't you start us off? So I got a good one here. Tua will be benched at some point during the season. Zach, Zach Kinnicky is not going to like that take. <laughs> and that's perfectly fine. <laughs> it, it is. I don't think – I just wasn't impressed with Tua last year. Um, I also think that the Dolphins have playoff aspirations and they're not going to want to wait for him to go through any more growing pains. Um, now, I'm not saying that this is he's going to be benched permanently, but there is going to be a game where they get down at halftime and Jacoby Brissett is going to come out under center for that game. They were doing it with Fitzpatrick. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't do it with Brissett. Um, so I think Tua will be benched at least at one point during the season. So, I mean, I'm going to toss this one to, to Zay because I think that this is very interesting. I will say that my ears perked up when Jacoby Brissett landed here. Um, this is a Patriots coaching staff, and the Patriots mm-hmm. think very highly of Jacoby Brissett. Do you see some possibility for this day? Do you think Jacoby Brissett could be the starter at some point? I think so. He's, he's He may not be as dynamic as Tua could be, but I think he could be more efficient, protect the ball, um, almost like Tyrod Taylor-esque in a way where he can get you some first downs to protect the ball, limit the turnovers. So I think that could happen if two is benched and then you're counting on Jacoby just to get some really efficient drives um, and getting the ball to the playmakers. So that could happen because, I mean, obviously Jacoby was up there with the coach beforehand and they got some familiarity with each other. And that's obviously probably one of the reasons why he signed on there. Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Um, so now hit, hit us with your hot takes, eh? What, what, what do you think for Miami? So Brandon kind of talked about it earlier, you know, really after a certain, a certain, um, a certain ranking, TE is really a wasteland. You're just really kind of throwing darts to see who sticks. I think Isiki is going to end up as a top five tight end. I mean, after Kelsey, Waller, Kittle... And Andrews, I think Gesicki's going to be up there. I mean, yes, Kyle Pitts, all the hubbub about him, but we got to see how he does in the field. Um, TJ Hawkinson, I loved Hawkinson, but, I mean, you got Jared Goff throwing to you, so I'm not too sure about that. Dallas Goddard, like him too, but I don't know. I think Gesicki has a little bit more upside than he does. And then, obviously, you go into Higby, Thomas, Fant, etc. And then after that, it's like, hey, you got in the street. You want to play tight end? Hey, I think you'd be top 12. Here we go. So... <laughs> I, that's why I think Gesicki is a will end up as a top five option. Um, I think he had almost 80 targets last year or just around there. So I think that just shows that they're counting on him for something. And, you know, Brandon made some really salient points about Gesicki earlier. So I, I fully agree with that top five for Mr. Gesicki. That's, that's red hot. I, I love that. Um, by the way, I think that uh, the Wikipedia entry under Dalton Schultz is, hey, guy, do you want to play tight end? Sure. Um, 
we'll we'll get to the NFCs eventually. Love me some Dalton Schultz. Um, yeah, I I think point well taken. Um, you know, and I think that that'd be hot. I love that you brought up Kyle Pitts and Hawkinson because I think that's where people would have pushback. I'm not necessarily going to push back because I don't know that I'm as sold on those folks as the locked and loaded four that you brought up. Um, and you know that number five really could be open to anyone. Why couldn't it be Gasicki? Um, and, you know, just to kind of uh, continue my delirium, um, I think that Will Fuller will be the only year-long asset that Dynasty managers will be happy to roster on this team. Um, now, I will qualify this and say that that's because I don't think that Miles Gaskin is going to stay healthy. Um, but I do think that while he's healthy, Miles Gaskin will be great for your fantasy roster. I just don't think he'll stay healthy. Um as a result, I think that Will Fuller is the only piece that you are going to be happy to roster on this team, um, which I think is probably pretty hot um, and definitely should not make Dolphins fans feel happy. Um, so for, for, the, for the sake of the Dolphins fans, I hope I'm wrong, um, but we will find out. With that being said, um, let's switch over uh, to the... Um, the, we'll, we'll say the giant that the Bills were finally able to slay after two decades of sheer dominance, um, and that is the New England Patriots. Um, so at, at quarterback, uh, we can't reflexively say Tom Brady anymore. Uh, now that is another MVP. I feel like I need to remind people of this. Uh, Cam Newton, former league MVP. Uh, of course, they spent a first-round pick on Mac Jones. Uh, we know a, a favorite of the mildly defensive podcast, especially of Brandon. Um, running back, uh, we have, as always with the Patriots, about 30 guys. Uh, we'll, we'll keep it to uh, Damian Harris, James White, and uh, this year's draft pick in the fourth round, Ramondre Stevenson. Um I just want to put this out here because I feel like I've heard this on a lot of different podcasts and I don't understand why. There's a lot of people calling him Ramonde. And I'm like, there's an R. Just read his name. There's an R in the name. Um, so if you're listening, stop stop calling this man Ramonde. That is not his name. Um, anyway, we're going to move on. <laughs> just I had to get that out there. It was infuriating to me. Um, receiver, uh, oh, this is uh, definitely a mess. Um, Nikhil Harry, uh, despite his agent's wishes, is still there. Uh, they also have Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, uh, who had a, a huge year uh, with the Raiders last year, which seems weird to say even now, um, and Jacoby Myers. At tight end, uh, New England now has a million tight ends after having none. Um, of course, they went out and spent an absolute boatload of money on both Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry. Uh, breaking the hearts of tight end enthusiasts everywhere. Um, just putting those two together, just it just felt wrong. Um, but, you know, they, they did it. We'll, we'll see what that looks like. Uh, defense, uh, anyone that has been playing IDP for any amount of time knows that uh, New England and Bill Belichick break the hearts of IDP managers everywhere with their bizarre usage <laughs> of defensive players based on how they want to face an opponent that week. Uh, but with that being said, at linebacker, uh, they have Jawan Bentley coming back. Uh, Dante Hightower comes back from COVID. Um, let's see, at safety, they've got a lot of safeties. Yeah, Adrian Phillips, 
uh, always underappreciated. Uh, they basically play him at linebacker. Uh, they've got last year's draft pick, Kyle Duggar. Devin McCourty comes back for what seems like his 30th season with the Patriots. Always underappreciated. Uh, Stefan Gilmore uh, seems like they are always trying to get rid of Stefan Gilmore, but um, apparently he's still there. Uh, they have Jonathan Jones. Oh, boy, they got J.C. Jackson, Jalen Mills, all kinds of guys there. Um, at Edge, uh, they brought back Kyle Vanoy. Um, they have Chase Winovich, um, a tackle. They've got Christian Barmore, who they took in the second, someone that uh, Brandon and I were a big fan of. Um, that's that's about everything um, that I'm looking at for IDP. So let's roll right into Smash the Button. Uh, these, these are your boys, eh? So um, let us know who uh, who are you smashing the button on for the Patriots? You know who, who I'm smashing the button on for the six-time Super Bowl champion, uh, New England Patriots. Um, it looks like it'll had, had be it for me. There. I love it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm just clearly stating facts. I mean, you could just look in the record books, <laughs> and, and it's just kind of there. Um, I'm looking at the ADP of 183, and that's Mr. Superman himself, Cam Newton. Um, he may not be your starter. Obviously, he won't be drafted as your starter unless you believe it in the, in the late-round QB theory. Um, but I think it's all upside. You know, Cam came out and said that his shoulder's healthy the first time since 2016 when, when it got injured. Um, he obviously still has his legs, as we obviously saw last year. Uh, and he said that COVID really messed him up. If you listen to the I Am Athlete pod, you know, with Ocho Cinco and uh, and, and others, you know, back in February, he said that, you know, once you miss one practice, you're behind. So when he missed all those practice and you weren't able to have contact, um, he was way behind in, in the playbook and just really couldn't catch up. And I think for how he performed that year in fantasy and with the team going seven to nine, I think that at that ADP, I think Cam is a guy you can um, you can draft um, because he can once again either be a backup and be or maybe be some trade bait if he gets hot. Uh, which I think he could really get hot. And I think it's it's a really great value at that ADP. Um, he could be the last guy you draft um, throughout the year. I mean, obviously for one QB, for two QB, you know, he could obviously potentially be a third QB for a fill-in during bye weeks. And so I look at the ADP and that looks real rich because um, he's able to, I think, to still get it done. Upgraded weapons, obviously I know they're not really big names, like a Julio or somebody got, that got traded there, but they did try to upgrade all of his weapons to make him more effective, still plus his rushing ability. And so I think at the ADP of 183, I think Cam is uh, is a smash button guy. Do you guys know where Cam finished last year? What quarterback he was? No. Quarterback 18. So Cam missed time. And was awful, right? Like, I mean, could not throw the ball. Quarterback 18. Um, People need to remember that, like, when you can run the ball at quarterback, you have a ludicrous, ludicrous advantage. And I think people forget quickly how good Cam Newton is at running the football. He had, like, what, 15, 16 rushing touchdowns last year? Um, I remember coming on to the pod saying that I thought he had a shot at 20. And I think if he stayed healthy, he might have actually gotten to 20, which is insane. He had over 40 carries inside um, the 10, I think, for New England last year. I mean, he was their, their bell cow. 
back once you got inside the red zone. I mean, if he stays as their quarterback, I'm 100% was A on this one. Like, it doesn't have to look good. There doesn't have to be style points. Just know that it's going to be ruthlessly effective for your roster. <clears throat> I mean, it's just just ridiculous. He's the ultimate Konami. He was the first Konami. Well, of recent memory. We don't want to – not trying to disparage some of the old greats. <laughs> All right, Brandon, who's your smash the button player? Yeah, for me, it's um... – Adrian Phillips, I, I think you kind of talked about him when you were going through the depth charts, but he's basically a linebacker that line or is categorized as a safety in most leagues. Um, he finished with over 100 total tackles uh, last year, and, and I think that with some of the improvements they've made on the defensive line with Christian Barmore and stuff like that, I think Phillips' tackle opportunities is probably going to go up uh, this year. Um, I know that, that some linebackers are back, high towers back and stuff like that, but I think Belichick is smart enough to use Phillips in the right way, and I think he's still going to have plenty of opportunities to make plays for this defense. Yeah, um, 100% with you. I have nothing to add. You know, Phillips, I think we appreciate him, and even on our waiver wire, it was like a running joke in our league chat last year that Adrian Phillips would find his way onto a waiver wire. Like, even in our league, I think he's underappreciated. <laughs> um, you know, it just he's just there. He makes the plays, um, and, and he's where you want him to be on the field. He plays linebacker, and you can slide him as a, in as a defensive back. It's, it's, a, it's a cheat code for sure. All right, run screaming into the night. Um, Zay, who are you running screaming from, from, uh, from your, your pats? Uh, I think on the offensive side of the ball has to be Kilheary. Um, just hasn't worked out. Um, I think he was more of a vertical receiver at ASU, and the Patriots don't do that all too much. And I think, obviously, he requested a trade. And so um, he fell behind with Brady in the playbook. And even, obviously, with Cam, he Cam believed in him. He was trying to get him the ball, but it just wasn't working out. Obviously, there were some other options there with, with Myers and Bird. But I think uh, Harry is just um, the guy you got to kind of get away from. And you know, the defensive side of the ball, it's, it's got to be Matt Judon. I know he's going to be a, a big player, I think, in terms of the actual defense. But in terms of fantasy, I don't think he's going to do much for you at the IDP level. Uh, 100% agree. Um, it, it seems like it's not something that Belichick does. But, you know, is Belichick going to trade Nikhil Harry? Do you think Nikhil Harry gets cut? Like, I mean, do you think ultimately Harry sticks on this roster, or are they going to get rid of him? I think they'll. I think they'll get rid of him. I mean, you got the two tight ends, um, the aforementioned Bird and uh, and Myers, but then also Aguilar, Bourne, all those additions. There's only one football, so there's not really much else that I think Nikhil Harry can really do. I mean, it's kind of a sorry it didn't work out for him, but. I think he. I think he's probably going to end up getting cut from the team because uh, you request a trade from the Patriots nine times out of ten. Belichick, the GM, isn't going to do that for you. Um, he he'll play things the way he wants to, and he can compete in training camp. I, you know, I think Gunner. I think Gunner's ahead of him actually, and Gunner's mostly a, a, a special teams guy. But I think Gunner's kind of ahead of him too because he was able to go out there and catch a few balls from Cam. Granted, I know Cam throwing wasn't the best, but. Nikhil, I, I think we've seen the last of him, unfortunately, in a Patriots uniform. Hopefully he catches on somewhere else. 
You heard it here first, folks. R.I.P. <laughs> Nikki O'Hare. <laughs> on the page views. On the page views. On the page views. Oh, I, I love it. Um, all right, Brandon, who, who are you running screaming from? I'm sure you want to run from all of them, but um, if you could narrow it down yeah. for us, that'd be great. I mean, Zay kind of touched on it, but I'm going to say all Patriots wide receivers. <laughs> like, I don't think that this is, again, you have to think about what the, the offense is going to do here. I don't really see them being a heavy passing attack, and when they are passing it, it's probably going to the tight ends. Like, And then after that, it's kind of a mess between Nelson Aguilar, Bourne, Nikhil Harry. Like, what does this look like, and how much targets are left after the tight ends and after even like a James White? I mean, James White's still on this team, and he's seeing plenty of targets out of the backfield. Um, so for me, it's... I don't want anything to do with any Patriots wide receivers. Um, so. Yeah, no, I, I hear you on that. So I, I actually said I'm not really running screaming from any of them, only in the sense that based on ADP, they're all so cheap because no one wants any of them that I'm not sure that there's anything to run from. I'm not sure how many I'm going to have on my roster, but, like, I mean, you're getting Nelson Aguilar. You're, you're getting, like, all of these Jacoby Myers, like dirt cheap. Every single one of these guys are absolutely dirt cheap. Um, Damian Harris, you know, so like, I, I think I'm probably going to end up like with a decent number of Patriots on the back end of my roster just to see what happens, you know, and if they end up as waiver wire fodder in the, the first few weeks, so be it. Um, but there's no cost to any of these guys, even the tight ends, because like, I think people are just generally terrified of this offense. Those are situations that are super interesting because like if you assume as a baseline that an offense is going to be absolutely terrible, it can only go up from there, right? Um, you know, so with where you're getting these guys, like if they are as terrible as people think they're going to be, you just cut them. And if they're not, then there could be something there. Um, you know, so I think that on the back end of your roster, these Patriots players could definitely be interesting. Um, with that being said, I think we'll, we'll roll into hot takes. Um, I don't think Brandon's going to like my hot take, um, but <laughs> I'm going to put it out there. I don't think we've seen the last of Superman. Um, I think Cam Newton will lead the Patriots back to the playoffs. Um, it's not always going to be pretty, but I think it's going to be ruthlessly effective. Uh, Cam is going to rush for a lot of touchdowns. I think that he's going <clears> to <throat> keep that offense moving just enough um, and this, I don't know, this team has a feel of that Matt Castle uh, Patriots team. I know that team missed the playoffs, but they were really good. They won like 11 games. Um, I, I think that you're going to see the Patriots back in the playoffs, and I think Mac Jones will see the field, but it will only be um, when Cam is hurt. And I think it's, it's hard for Cam to make it through a full 17-game year, so I think he's going to get hurt at some point, and Mac Jones will have to come in. But I think other than that, Cam is going to be your guy the whole year. Uh, Brandon, what's your hot take for the Patriots? So for me, when we're looking at the the playmakers, wide receivers, tight ends, running backs, Jonu Smith will be the one that will have the most fancy points on the Patriots this year. Um, I really like Jonu Smith, what he did with the Titans last year. I hated the fact that he went to the Patriots, and then I really hated the fact that they also signed Hunter Henry, um, kind of capping his ceiling. I mean, I think if, if you didn't have Hunter Henry on that team, he, you're talking a top five tight end. Um, but with Henry there and some of these other things, and we obviously know that Belichick 
hates fantasy football and, and hates running backs. And um, <laughs> speaking of like pulling random guys off the field to, or off the street to play tight end, Belichick likes pulling random guys to play running back and it's going to change from week to week. Um, so taking all those into account, I think John Smith is probably still going to be the one that's going to lead the Patriots in fantasy points this year. I like it. Um, I'm so interested to see what they're going to do. I've got, I've got my thoughts about what this Patriots offense is going to look like. And I will be fully honest and say that I'm actually super excited about it. You know, like I'm imagining a world where, you know, you've got Jacoby Myers and Nelson Aguilar on the outside. You've got Janu and Hunter Henry on both ends of the line. And then you've got Damian Harris in the backfield. Cam gets under center. He puts his foot back. Janu rotates into the backfield. And it's chaos. I mean, what are you going to do as the defense? Like, it's chaos. You don't know what they're going to do. You got to be worried about Cam running the ball. You got to be worried about Damian Harris running the ball. What if all of a sudden they set up some kind of a screen and John was leading the screen? What if he catches the screen? Um, I mean, I think Josh McDaniels is going to have an absolute field day with this, and I think it's going to be more terrifying than it seems right now for opposing defenses. Um, It's certainly not going to be, you know, like I think there's a lot of comparison to that Hernandez-Gronk offense. I mean, Cam is not Brady, but like the pieces are still going to be interesting and it's still going to be terrifying. I think for an opposing defense, so I'm I'm actually super intrigued by it. Um, Zay, what, what's your hot take? Uh, Damian Harris top fifteen season. Uh, <laughs> they have a a bully bully O line. They got Trent Brown back. David Andrews resigned. Isaiah Wynn at left tackle on the blind side. Shaq Mason. Um, you know they they kind of retooled there. You know they traded Marcus Cannon. Um, over to to Houston. And so I think with that, that's going to open up a lot of things for him. I mean, their run game is really efficient anyway. Obviously, you got to pay attention to Cam, but I think they want to use Harris a little bit more. Um, If you look at the depth chart, you got um, behind them, really, Sony, who has the chronic knee issues, James White, who's a satellite back, Brandon Bolden, the special teams ace over there with Matthew Slater. And then, um, as Matt said, Raham Dre, don't forget the R, uh, he fourth round pick. He went on the active non football injury list today, and so what does that mean for him going forward? And so I think they want to lean on Damian as that as that back, and I think they're just going to try to bully each and everybody uh, only in the way that New England can try to do. And so I think that's why he gets a top fifteen season. I love that, um, and and with where Damian Harris is going, I think that's really hot. Um, People have to learn to love again, right, with the Patriots' backfield. It's been a mess for a long time. Um, but I, 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 as Brandon knows, I've been warming on Damian Harris. I took him in SFB. Um, I, I think that this could happen. I think that they like him. I think that he's got the talent to do this. Um, where I'm struggling is if, if Cam is the dude for the whole year, like how much does that kill – any chance Damian Harris have of scoring touchdowns, um, you know, and that will be the interesting part. Um, but I, I love the potential there. I think Harris could be awesome. And, and in a world where Mac Jones is the guy, Damian Harris could be even more interesting, you know, cause then you're not worried about, you know, once you get inside the goal line, then it could be Damian Harris doing that work. 
Um, so yeah, I think he's he's fascinating to me. I I think I'm gonna have a lot of Damian Harris this year just because that that upside could be incredible. Mm-hmm. All right, and now we get to go to the true bully of the AFC East, the New York Football Jets. Uh, man, what a what a dynasty this team is. You know, so I I didn't bring up this um, stat, but I feel like I can go off the cuff here and say pretty definitively because of the Patriots um, that this is likely uh, the division that has won the most Super Bowls in uh, the, Super, the Super Bowl era for all the divisions. They've certainly participated in the most. Uh, here's looking at you, yeah. Bills. Um, but, the, but, of course, the uh, – <laughs> But but the team that won the first Super Bowl in this division never forget the New York Football Jets. Good work, Joe Namath. Um, so so here so here we go. Let, let's get into the Jets here quick. Quarterback, of course, we have second overall pick, Zach Wilson. Running back is a hot mess. Um, this includes Tevin Coleman, who this new regime brought in. Michael P. Ryan, who's a holdover from last year. Ty Johnson, another holdover. Uh, and then their draft pick, Michael Carter, who they took in the fourth round out of UNC. Wide receiver, they've got Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, Jamison Crowder, who's somehow still there, um, Keelan Cole, and then uh, their second rounder, Elijah Moore, who I know a lot of folks are excited about. At tight end, uh, it seems like it's been about 30 years, but Chris Herndon is, is still there, and we're still waiting. Um, so we'll see what happens with Chris Herndon. Uh, on defense, C.J. Mosley. Um, some folks might forget C.J. Mosley is there because he was a COVID opt-out, um, but he's there at, at linebacker. Gerard Davis, um, man, he was quite the disappointment with Detroit. He now lands with the Jets. Blake Cashman is still there, um, and we're still waiting to see if he can ever uh, put together two healthy hamstrings and play. Uh, at safety, they've got Ashton Davis, who was a draft pick last year. They've got um, essentially like a million uh, draft picks at safety or corner that they're all rumored to put at linebacker, which makes no sense because they have a lot of linebackers. Um, so I don't fully know what's going on there. Um, they've got a lot of really terrible corners, uh, which is good for IDP play. Bless Austin, Bryce Hall, Javelin, Gidry. Uh, maybe Brandon Eccles. Basically, if they're on the field, you are welcome to put them in your lineup. They're going to get thrown on a lot, and they're all awful. Um, so they'll probably rack up plenty of tackles for you. Um, and then Quinnen Williams, uh, who was a first-round pick a few years ago, very interesting at defensive tackle. Carl Lawson came over here. He actually had a pretty nice year at edge for Cincinnati, so he's interesting. Um, that's probably everyone we can talk about on defense for the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Um, so going into Smash the Button, um, probably you're never going to feel good about drafting any Jet, and you shouldn't. Um, but if you had to, who are you guys drafting for the Jets? Brandon? For me, it's C.J. Mosley. Um, I think he's in a great spot. I think, to your point, a lot of people have forgotten about him. But now you have basically a 49ers defense being run, and we started this pod talking about how good Fred Warner is, and the, the long list of good linebackers from the 49ers, I think C.J. Mosley is going to be put in a great position to continue that for the Jets. So for me, it's C.J. Mosley is someone that I'm going to be looking at 
to draft a lot of this year. Um, Zay, how, how about you? Who are you smashing the button on? Um, I had to dig deep. I had to really take a look at myself in, in the in the <laughs> rankings, and um, I came out with uh, Ty Johnson. I, I do like his explosiveness in the backfield, and especially if the coaching staff brings over the 49ers uh, run scheme. Um, Tevin Coleman, I mean, bless his heart, when he was a Falcon, loved getting him. However, um, not right now or anymore. And so I do like the idea of Ty Johnson. Obviously, he's behind Carter, but I think Ty Johnson is still explosive enough at the ADP of 269. Oh, my gosh. You want to round out your roster, throw some darts, 269. I think Ty Johnson can do that um, and and still kind of be affected by the backfield. He could be maybe Jeff Wilson-esque. You know, you kind of need a fiddler here on a bye week. Can he get you those? 130 yards, two TDs, he can kind of spot fill. So I think at that ADP, I like him on the offensive side of the ball. And then defense, man, I really do like some Quinn Williams. If they bring over that defensive scheme, Mr. God bless you himself. I'm not sure if you've ever seen that where he sneezed. He said, God bless you and said thank you to himself at the same time. Um, it's, a, it's amazing me. It's one of my favorites if I need a good laugh. Um, I think he's going to be so powerful. Um on the edge there. And so I think as they switch probably from a three, four over to a four, three, he's going to be somebody to watch as an IDP. And a split personality on top of that. You know, that's fantastic. Uh, I have not seen that. I need to watch that because that's just tremendous. Um, love Quinn Williams. I think he's an animal and he really came into his own last year. He looks like, um, he's joining that upper echelon of defensive tackles in the NFL. Um, and those are the guys that are, you know, uh, definitely startable on your IDP roster um, at, at DL, or certainly if you're forced to start a defensive tackle in your league, Quinn and Williams is tremendous. Um, for me, uh, I, I agree with Brandon on CJ Mosley. I'm smashing the button on him. I think he's going to have a tremendous amount of opportunity to rack up tackles, um, you know, here in, in New York, just the way that he did when he was in Baltimore. Um, and I don't feel good about this. Um, but Tevin Coleman is basically free in drafts, and I think he's going to start the year as the starter. As uh, Zay mentioned, uh, he will uh, very quickly get hurt, um, and at that point you are welcome to cut him from your roster. Um, but I do think he's going to start the year. You know, it, it just it has that kind of feeling of San Fran bringing one of their guys in. I think he's going to mentor the other backs. He'll start as the, the you know, bell cow of sorts. Um, and then when he quickly gets hurt, it's going to become, you know, one of these other guys. Um, so I, I'm certainly not encouraging anyone to reach to, to get themselves some Tevin Coleman. It's not going to be a good experience. Um, but, you know, this is someone that I think is a starter that everyone's completely overlooking. Um, it can't hurt to just throw a guy like that on the back end of your roster and see what happens. Um, I mean, he, he will get hurt, but it's not going to hurt you. Um, all right. Running screaming into the night. I'll go first. Um, Elijah Moore is someone I'm running from. Uh, basically, this is the exact same analysis uh, that I gave you with um, Jalen Waddle. So Elijah Moore is not uh, nearly as expensive as Jalen Waddle, um, but at wide receiver 53, he's still going around folks like uh, Devontae Parker, uh, Darnell Mooney, Nicole Hardman. I would much rather have a Nicole Hardman or a Darnell Mooney or even a Rondell Moore or maybe even a Henry Ruggs. I don't feel great about saying that. But, I mean, there's at least some upside there. I don't think Elijah Moore is actually going to be on the field in three wide receiver sets to start the year. I think that's going to be Jamison Crowder. 
um, you know, as well as uh, Keelan Cole and Corey Davis. So, I mean, I think that Elijah Moore at some point is going to likely usurp Jamison Crowder. And at that point, absolutely. Like, let's see what happens because I think that he's got all the talent in the world. But this is another guy, similarly to Jalen Waddle, that I will likely have zero shares of at, at the draft and then plenty when he gets cut to waiver wires, um, you know, when he inevitably does nothing in the beginning of the year. So um, I'm, I'm running away from Elijah Moore. Uh, Zay, who are you running away from for the Jets? Uh, I'm running away from um, the number overall, the number two overall pick, um, the roofclaim.com Boca Raton Bowl <laughs> champion, Zach Wilson. Um, I had to look at that schedule that he played last year. And he seems like he seems very talented. Um, but I think at his ADP and also other starting quarterbacks out there for fantasy, you can do a lot better. I mean, I also think that in the preseason, they also played uh, the Shandahoa JV uh, football team as well. And he lit it up just like he did with the rest of his schedule uh, <laughs> last year. Um, it's just, it's a little too rich for me. And one QB, obviously, if it's a startup dynasty, he's a young asset, go get him. Um, if it's regular dynasty, you're already, you're already maybe just doing a rookie draft. Obviously, he's going to be up there, but I think in redraft purposes, I'd stay away. Um, the last four games they got uh, this year will be Saints at Dolphins, Jags, Tampa, and at Bills. No thanks. So I'm just not really on board with him this year in dynasty. I think it's a great asset to have to see where it goes, especially with the new coaching staff, and he's their guy. Uh, but in redraft, please stay away. You may want to draft Blake Bortles, to be honest with you, over there in Green Bay. <laughs> oh, oh, just just destroying Zach Wilson. Oh, I love it. Um, with with that intro, I don't know why you made me think of this, but um, one of uh, Steve Spurrier's great zingers back in the day was when Peyton Manning decided to come back for his senior year at Tennessee. Uh, Spurrier was asked about it and he said, well, Peyton wants to come back and be a four-time Citrus Bowl MVP. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Spurrier, never stop being you. Um, Just just absolutely tremendous stuff. Um, Brandon, who are you running screaming from uh, for the Jets? I don't know if there's people who are still trying to make this a thing. Um, And if you are, just please stop. But Chris Herndon is not going to happen. Like the tight end position is a wasteland, but Chris Herndon still can't find his way out of this. Like, let's just give up, move on. Like, I, there's not much analysis here, but like, please, like, just it's just like a, a PSA. Like, if you think this is the year that Chris Herndon's going to do something, just sorry, it's not going to happen, and you need to look somewhere else. So. Is there a is there a one eight hundred number you have for for addicts to call? Yeah, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. We'll we'll talk about it, and and we'll we'll talk about some other options that you may have that like, like Dalton Schultz, like (laughs) my boy. No, I I I absolutely hear that. You know. this is definitely one of these players that I think year in and year out, you can like look at it and say like, but could it be the year? Like it's a new, new offense, George Kittle. Could this be the time? Could he do it? Um, yeah, it's uh, it, definitely a situation that, um, you know, I mean, I, I, 
certainly at his cost, he's an absolute dart throw. But I think your point is like, you've got better dart throws, (laughs) you know, just stay, stay away from this one. I feel very confident that at some point I will talk myself into Chris Herndon, um, one of, one of these waiver wires, uh, and I'll put him on my roster and he'll have zero catches. And I'll be like, why did I do this to myself again? Like why I, I should have known better. I've done this for four straight years. Um, all right, moving over to hot takes to wrap up the jets. Um, so I guess I'll have to explain this one. Um, so uh, after Zay just got done eviscerating Zach Wilson, um, I'm going to say that Zach Wilson has what I would call a Danny Dimes rookie season. What I mean by this is I think there's going to be plenty highly forgettable games. Um, but I think Zach Wilson is going to have one or two games, just like Danny Dimes did, where he blows up and he makes people, especially people in New York, start to believe <laughs> Um, what I'm going to say is like, much like what you've seen from Daniel Jones up to this point, don't believe. Um, so like these random blowups are going to happen. The jets are going to be getting absolutely steamrolled by somebody. And Zach Wilson's going to put up a huge fantasy performance. That's going to be mean nothing for the real NFL. Um, I wouldn't buy in. Um, I think that there's a lot to be worried about here with Zach Wilson, as Zay laid out earlier. Um, you know, he's he's going to need a lot of seasoning, I think, to, to prove himself to be a, a great NFL quarterback. Um, but I, I do think you're probably going to see a few spike weeks just out of necessity um, because the, the Jets' defense is horrific. Brandon, what's your hot take? I don't want to say my hot take after what you just said. <laughs> no i think it's really because you know that when zach listens to this it's gonna be highly disappointed in you this is my hot take and and i'll try to explain my rationale behind it i believe the jets will finish with more wins than the miami dolphins this year one because i am not high on the dolphins at all we talked about the fact that i don't i think two is going to get benched at some point that defense they're trying to live off of what they did last year and Xavier Howard is not happy. He may get traded. They lost Kyle Mm. Van Noy. They have a lot of question marks and there's a lot of pressure on Tua and I don't think Tua has proven anything to warrant um, having much confidence in him as a starting quarterback at this point. When I look at the Jets, the one thing that like you can do to quickly turn your de- turn your team around is to make good moves on defense and I think they've done that with you still have CJ Mosley they stocked up that defensive line with Rankins next to Quinn and Williams which is going to help Williams they added Carl Lawson you still got good safeties with Marcus May and, and, and Davis so they're very strong up the middle of that defense They've also bolstered their offensive line. You have Becton at left tackle. You have the guard that they drafted. So it's going to help Zach Wilson. And he has good wide receivers. He's got Corey Davis. He's got Denzel Mims, Crowder, um, and Elijah Moore. So, And, of course, I didn't say Chris Herndon. Um, (laughs) But I think... It's amazing, like, and it hurts me to say this, but I think the Jets made a lot of good moves this year, starting with the head coach. Like, I think th- if there's a team 
that can jump up to like 500. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to be a playoff team. I think it's the Jets. And I don't think the Dolphins get more than six, seven wins this year. So for me, I think the Jets have more wins than the Dolphins this year. I noticed that you strategically didn't mention anyone that plays outside of the hashes on defense. <laughs> you got to start somewhere. So you, I think you're, you got to start you're putting, somewhere. You're putting a lot of stock into teams pretending <laughs> that nothing you, happens you, you outside the somewhere. hashes. And if, you, if you're strong up the middle, the other things can kind of fall into place. So for me, I'm just saying, I'm pretty sure I could throw for 350 yards on this defense. We'll see. <laughs> And that's and that's not because I'm giving myself any credit here, but let me just remind you, Bryce Hall, Javelin Gidry, bless Austin. <laughs> Corey Corey Valentine is one of their backups. This dude was playing for the Giants when literally they had like a fully decimated defense, and he was getting torched everywhere. Corey Ballantyne is likely going to be the fourth cornerback on this team. We we will <laughs> Just... revisit this, record it, put, put it put it on on our Twitter. I'm mildly defensive. Brandon Crow says Jets will finish with more wins than the Dolphins this year. Oh oh, we will we will Please. put this on Twitter. Screenshot <laughs> it. This is a. Uh... We've we've had a we've had a couple hot takes. This is easily the hottest of all of, all of the hot takes. Um, for sure. I'm not sure because you're high on the Jets or super, super low on the Dolphins. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a combination of the two. Um, but to uh, to wrap it up, um, let's let's head over to Zay. Zay, what's your hot take with the Jets? I think Elijah Moore will take over Jamison Carter's spot um, at receiver after their bye week. Um, after week six, I think with the draft capital – Second round pick, um, great asset. You know, his, his ADP, I think, is really um, pretty good at, at 148. Um, you know, for some redraft, I'm probably a little bit higher for Dynasty. So I think he's a great hold there uh, or a great buy uh, for Dynasty and redraft. And so I think he's going to take over Crowder, even though Crowder was very steady. Like, he was very steady last year in PPR. He was just easy money, and it really caught me by surprise. But I think with the draft capital and then Crowder having to take that big pay cut um, recently, I think Moore is going to be up there um, for the Jets. So no disrespect to Jameson, but I think his, his time might be up as they got a, a new sheriff in town along with having Corey Davis uh, in there. So just it just feels like the writing's on the wall for him. So that's why I have... Elijah Morgan will be starting after the bye week instead of Jameson Crowder. Uh, I, I love it. Um, Brandon's probably going to fight you on that one because the Jets are going to be 5-1 and one heading into the bye, and that's not a good time to put a rookie into the lineup. So, uh. hey, I said 500. <laughs> it's not like it was – like, I'm not saying that they're going to be second. Over... I, I heard division-leading New York well, Jets. That's what They I would heard. have to be second because <laughs> Buffalo's going to be one. I mean, let's, let's say what <laughs> – That's awesome. Oh, I'm just busting your chops. Um, I, I, Elijah Moore is a tremendous talent. So, yeah, I mean, I think hopefully sooner rather than later for Jets fans, I think it'd be sweet to see Elijah Moore out there on the field just toasting defensive backs because he is really a 
he's a treat. Um, so, mm-hmm. so that'd be be sweet to to see him get in there. All right. Well, we have plenty, got plenty of good content out there for you folks on the AFC East. Uh, definitely want to thank Isaiah for for taking some time to come in here and, and knock Brandon down a peg uh, in his his AFC East glory here. Uh, re- remind him who the six-time Super Bowl champ is. <laughs> All I gotta do um, is remind him who's the reigning and- AFC East champion right now, and then we we can there you go. Leave it at that. Fly, fly, fly that banner, baby. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, man. You know, the Bills, they're the Jonas Brothers. You know, they got some hits. They're hot right now. But the Patriots, they're the Stones. They got a, they got a long they got a long history out here, you know? So I'm just saying, even going back to Blitzo and everybody. So it'll be fun to watch. I, I think the Bills, they're, they're going to be great. I think the battles of division-wise injuries and weather. And, that, and really, I think that 17th game... I have no idea what to expect and how that affects drafting and how we kind of alter things this year because it's just going to be so different. And I, I that's the one thing I'm nervous about as a fantasy manager of how do I adapt to this additional game? We've only known one way of playing this game for so long. I have no idea what that does for different guys we're drafting or, or the wave wire. So it'll be a lot of fun to watch this year, I think, for all of the reasons, including that that additional game. Yeah, no, I mean that that's for sure and I think it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, does does Buffalo take another step forward? What does that look like as one of the best teams in the AFC? You know, do the the Pats hop right back up there and, you know, reassert themselves as a playoff team? Um, and, and certainly, I think seeing what happens with the Dolphins, we know where Brandon stands on that, but you know, like where where they're headed and and I I think definitely even though I'm low on the Jets potential, at least in terms of the win column, I would absolutely agree with Brandon that I, I love Sala as a head coach, and I think that they could build something there in the next few years. So I'm actually kind of high on what the Jets could be, let's say, in like three years or so. Um, so, I mean, o- always, I think, a fun division, definitely more fun than the division that I root for. Um, so, you know, the, a, a fun one for us to talk about. Uh, we will be back next time talking about the AFC South. Uh, so for Matt Jordan, uh, well, <laughs> I'm Matt Jordan. Um, I, I'm, I'm taking on some of that Quinn Williams, <laughs> just trying to start talking, split personality, talk about, I'm going to sneeze in just a second here and, and bless myself. Um, <laughs> for, uh, for Brandon Gross and Isaiah Tilford, I'm Matt Jordan. You have a great rest of your day.